Good morning, everybody. I'm Dan DeGrice, and you are live with us at FDIC for Straight Talk. Um, my co-host here is one and only. The one and only. Rob Fisher. All right. Give me more. Uh, it's good to be here, Danny. It's good yeah. to see you. I haven't seen you in, uh, it's been what, a month since we've uh, been on? Somewhere in there? Yeah. Pretty close to. Yeah. Uh, excited to be here at FDIC. And uh, like anytime, this is a great place to be. Um, all the firefighters coming in. And then, uh, of course, a special moment is going to be happening in the next day or two. That uh, yeah. memorance. But uh, yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, before we introduce our special guest, um, I do want to say and recognize, obviously, we wouldn't be here. Rob and I would not be doing the Hump Day Hangout uh, live here at FDIC without Bobby Halton. And we really talk about behavioral health and what's around that from a positivity standpoint, what we, we in, as individuals and departments can do. Uh, luckily today, um, I have a good friend of mine, Frank Lito from FDNY, who recently retired. Frank? Thanks for joining us. Great to be here, Dan. Great to be at FDIC. Thanks for having me, Rob. Um, so uh, it's, I think it's important to, as we start this off to talk about behavioral health and to talk about the positives of behavioral health. I think what we think about with behavioral health is all the negatives, but the fire service gives us a lot of positives when it comes to behavioral health. So I hope we can discuss that. Yeah, no, definitely. That's going to be our uh, mantra here. <clears throat> as Bobby always has said, this is the greatest job in the world. I, I believe it. I've been retired now three years, and I had a great 30-year career. I've had a great time in, in retirement. Sometimes there's a negative connotation around retirement. Um, and it can be sometimes because either forced retirement, unexpected retirement, injuries, maybe a mental health condition. Uh, but for the greater majority of people, and you being one of them because you just retired last year, tell us a little bit about your your journey prior to now, your thoughts prior to retirement to where you're at now a year out. Yes, probably two years before I was thinking about retired, I was petrified. I was really petrified because what did I know? I mean, for 38 years, my whole adult life, I had been doing this job. And so I, I was I was scared. Uh, you know, so um, so as I got closer re to retirement and it started to sink in, uh, you know, I really, really didn't know what to expect. Right away from retirement, the first thing I noticed was sleep. Hmm. I mean, I don't know if, if that happened with you, Dan, but all of a sudden I could sleep, you know, chunks of time together. And that was not happening with work. I think shift work is the next frontier that we really do have to look at. Uh, you know, it is really hard to have regulated good sleep hygiene when you're working 24 hours on, 48 hours on, 24 hours off. So, you know, how do you manage sleep? Uh, and if you go to any good doctor or any good psychiatrist and you go there with an issue, the first thing they should ask you is, how are you sleeping? And if they don't, probably need a new doctor or a new psychiatrist. If they can regulate your sleep, a lot of issues go away. And, and the fire service is really hard to regulate sleep. So that was the first thing I noticed. Well, I'm going to share a little bit about myself, but Rob, you're still working. Yeah. So I'm... what's your thought 
And you kind of just mentioned just before it went live that you may be pretty close. Yeah. We, you know, we did a show, um, God, it's probably a year ago with, um, Mike Galliano. And, and the reason why we did the show is um, just giving thought to retirement and had a little anxiety about retirement because as, as you said, this is what you've done your entire lifetime. This is your identity for a lot of firefighters. This is everything to them. So when they leave the fire service, essentially they're just severing their identity from everything. And it is a very stressful and it can cause a lot of mental health issues. So we did the show with, with Mike and it was, I was doing it for me to just like, where am I going to be at? How am I going to do it? Because I envisioned myself, you know, working to 58, maybe 60 years of age. Mm-hmm. But I knew that it was time to start thinking about this. And uh, and yeah, there is a lot of anxiety looking at this, you know, as it was approaching. But um, yes, you know, life changes. You start doing other things. And, and we were talking last night while we were out networking and, you know, some uh, fellowship and and that you start to realize that if you don't go through the door and shut the door, you can't see what's out there, you know, what's ahead of you. If you only know one thing. And so for me, the next step is getting through that door and being able to see in the room what's next for me. So uh, my anxiety is very low. I got to spend a month at home with the wife and those that know me, I, I work in one state and, and I live in another state. So um, I spend a lot of time away from uh, my wife, but being home for a big chunk of time, it, it, it sealed the deal for me where it's like, yeah, I, I, I can see, I can, I can be doing this pretty easily. Well, I could tell you for the year before I retired, cause you sign a paper and you get on a list and, and there's really, um, only about 150 of us that can retire with some, uh, insurance. Benefits, this is in Chicago. Is a, in Chicago, which is a, which is a big deal. So at first, I'm not sure, can I retire? Can I not? With 30 years, can you do that? Um, I wanted to move on. And everybody was asking me, what are you thinking? I said, I don't know, because I haven't gotten there yet. I don't know. I know what it's like to go off a high dive or a low dive or scuba dive. I don't know what it's like to retire. So how how do I know? Um, But everybody that I had talked to beforehand that I knew, 95% of them, if not more, were happy and excited. So that's what I was looking forward to. And... I can remember, and Frank and I had talked about this, and I don't know if it's gonna, you're gonna have this experience or people that are listening have this experience, but when I drove out of the fire, uh, out, out of the parking lot from the firehouse the day I retired, I swear that I felt a um, hundred thousand pounds come off my shoulder. Like the stress was just stripped off. And, of you. and I've been, and actually I was in an accident in Lower Wacker Drive, and I was coming down to Lower Wacker Drive to go home, and I'm like, I felt like I got hit again. And I turned around and I saw the firehouse in the back uh, uh, of, of my my uh, win- my rear window. And I'm like, that's it. I'm retired. And I have not looked back in three years. Honestly, I have enjoyed it. I felt good. And sleep, while it took me three years to sleep through the night, just because of the tones, um, the learned response yeah. and the fact that my wife has her cat that jumps on the bed <laughs> and now I got to sleep in the bed every night. Um, I, I, I'm relearning mm-hmm. and I'm feeling better. So, you know, we're talking about the positives of retirement and that, that's important, but I think you do have to be prepared. So you have to be prepared for this new life. Yeah. You, and, you know, what does this new life encompass? Uh, one thing it doesn't have is this camaraderie. 
Um, and I think that that is what really heals us in the fire service. You know, like why, why don't we have more mental health issues because of what we see and what we experience on a regular basis? It's, I think it's because of each other. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they looked at, um, n- not to be Debbie Downer, but they looked at, um, at the 15 year, uh, people at 15 years after the trade center, um, so responders of the trade center, 15 years out. And they looked at active duty members and they looked at retirees. So the active duty members, the members that were still responding, had about a 9% clinical depression rate, which was a little higher than you would expect from the general public, but probably about where firefighters are. They looked at retirees and it was 24%. Almost three times as much of them were clinically depressed. Now, so why is that? You know, why is that we have a quarter of our members that were clinically depressed? Now, I don't know if that would be around the country, but my guess is that it would be. And I think some of them are not prepared for what this new life is like. Yeah, I would just say that, and again, I don't know necessarily to study, but there's a continuum. Um, Life, and then uh, from depressive symptoms, dysthymia, uh, low-grade depression to uh, major depression, a lot of symptomology, length of time. A career, I think back to when mm-hmm. I was waiting to get on a job and man, when I got that letter, right? Mm-hmm. How that feeling, sometimes in that career, we lose that feeling mm-hmm. and we have to do something intentional to get it back. Um, life gets in a way and, and, and experiences get in, in our way and the, and the experiences we have are things that people necessarily only see on TV. When I went into retirement, um, I had not dreamed in the last seven years of my fire career, and I have been dreaming every day. I, I invite that. It hasn't been bad dreams, but so that's something new. So I'm like, at first, I'm like, that's bad. You're probably getting good sleep. Well, that's probably, that's probably well what's it was happened. new, and I'm like, that, is that good or bad? Yeah. You know, yeah. what value do you put on that? So again, retirement, if we don't plan for it, how many departments have some sort of one, two, three, or four-year plan for people to merge into retirement that hopefully we will last 30 years in. Yeah. And I wanted to ask Frank and come back to you because you're again going into this is what did you do intentionally, you know, a month or two or three months out? First thing you have to look at is, is the finances. Is this something that you can financially do? So that was the first piece. And the other piece is I knew that I'm happy being busy. Like, I'm not the kind of guy that can sit on the couch and watch television. It's just never been my nature. So what was I going to do to feel productive? You know, um, you, you, you go from, you know, like you, you, you know, you're, you're battalion chief in, 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 in downtown Chicago to walk in the dog the next day. You know, you're in charge of, uh, you know, hundreds of people. And then the next day, you know. Well, I want you to talk about that for a second. So, again, I didn't really introduce you in a sense of, but if people don't know you, they probably live under a rock (laughs) (laughs) or haven't seen you on a golf course. But, I mean, you retired as the deputy director of the FDNY FDNY Counseling Center. You helped kind of manage the behavioral health piece at Ground Zero. You went from five staff to... 50 peers and 50 clinicians and four and five sites with 
millions of dollars to manage 12,000 active and innumerable retirees after probably the, one of the that events, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to put a, a name to it. To to retirement, where you're, I mean, your phone rang how many times in a no, it day? Just, it didn't stop ringing. So it was just a matter of the, the calls that I needed to answer right away or the ones that I needed to get back to. Uh, the text would get backed up with, you know, you would see that little thing on your text and it'd be 70. Uh, it, it just, it was relentless. Um, and we've always been taught in the fire service not to say no. Like, so boundaries is really a, something that we really don't deal with. You know, like when there's a call, we go. Yeah. And, you know, like, it's not like I'm too tired or we just went on another one or you, you just go. So um, one of the things we weren't taught is about boundaries. So in, in my in my role, um, it was overwhelming. You know, so you had to worry about the budget. Every life, every family is important. There's not one that's more important than the other. So when someone reaches out, I always in, in, in my role and the people that I work with, I always would say, Assume that's 20-year career or 30-year career. This is the one call they're going to make to us. We cannot mess up. This, is, this call can change a life. This call can change a family's life because we know that, you know, mental illness is, is a family disease. And, you know, substance abuse or someone that's struggling with PTSD after, you know, a work, a work event uh, can affect the family. So uh, I think that that was a lot of pressure that was on me. So I had to be prepared for one day to, to have that. And then the next day, you know, that was to re be removed. So that would be positive. But then you feel like, am I contributing? Am I, mm -hmm. am I like, in, I would yeah. just imagine the same way that you feel and you're going to feel. I mean, you, you are contrib contributing to society. We did these, we decided on this career, all of us decided on this career, not become rich uh we decided it because we wanted to have a life of service and you know how are you going to fill that void and i think you really do need to fill that void yeah thanks frank you i was just well i was just going to say when we were talking about preparing for retirement i mean fdny chicago fire those are big departments and and i'm sure there would be programs in place to really help out and and, and where i'm at in you know, I'm suburban department, 10 station department. And, and I got to say that uh, um, in the region that I'm at, um, the unions have done really good and have have done a lot to prepare us, you know, for retirement. So the financial aspect, as you mm -hmm. mentioned, Frank, making sure financially you're ready. But going through all of these pieces, the pension, financial, you know, all of that stuff, the one that really the union or any other, you know, program within the department probably not going to help you with is your is yourself you know mentally being at that stage and being able to to take that next step and some people as as we said earlier some people are forced into it either by injury or a change in their career and others just come to it as this is the end i'm i've given all that i'm you know can give right now and i need to do something else so um that was my my comment was going to be but i, I want to kind of go back if you don't mind frank and just before 9-11, you know, you've, you were part of, you're director of this huge, you know, counseling 
what was it like in the FDNY, the mental health or, you know, taking care of that? Was it a smaller piece or? It certainly was smaller, but um, I think we were we were prepared on some level for 9-11 because we we were averaging like two or three deaths a year, line of duty deaths. I mean, for 9-11, we had six line of duty deaths in New York City, you know, before September 11th of that year. Okay. So we were um, we were used to, um, I don't, if you can ever get used to uh, a, a line of duty death, but we, we prepared for line of duty deaths and uh, the toll that it took on our members. So that, that but we had a very small staff. Uh, so when you know, 9-11 occurs, of course, there's no way we could be prepared for that. But one thing that I, when you're from New York, you never expect that you're going to need anybody else's help. And you usually like, yeah, okay, thanks, but we, we got it, you know, kind of thing. The support that came from around the country, firefighters from around the country, um, phone calls from around the world, uh, uh, we would have never been able to handle what we were able to do without that support. Um, you know, the, the IFF had come in and when at first I was like, okay, we got it kind of thing. A month later, they were thinking about leaving and I was hanging on their leg, you know, like, please don't leave me, please don't leave me. But um, so I, I, one of the things that did, one of the positives, a lot of positives comes out, come out of tragedies. And um, we learned a lot um, and we made a lot of mistakes as well in, in, in trying to do what we can for our members. But we took the good. Um, we, we forgot about the bad. And I think a lot of what we what we learned has now been spread around the country. For me, is it's incredible uh, to see, uh, you know, the, the fire service now as opposed to 20 years ago, is a different job. Yeah. I mean, when, when I came on, I watched people that I loved and cared about. I watched them lose their families, lose their health, lose their jobs, and eventually their lives to the, the issues that were job-related. Yeah. And we enabled it. We, didn't, we just took care of them as, we, as they deteriorated. And that's not the case in most departments. Most departments, we, we take care of our members by, by addressing the issues that they're, uh, they're confronting. So I think that that's a, a huge change. And I'm so, um, so happy that I've seen it in my career because my dad was a firefighter and was a firefighter for 30 years. He didn't see it in his career. Yeah. It's, I mean, we've discussed this too in, the, in our shows before about the fire service, and you said it, is different than what it was 20 years ago. But even if we were to go back 40, 50 years ago, it's, it's completely different. And it brought a lot of um, different stresses. And um, in today's fire service, and, and both of you guys teach peer support. So that's, that's the thing now, right? You know, we got peer support. And um, did, did, did the FDNY have a peer support? Did they have a robust peer support team back before 9-11? Because for like my area, and I'm, I'm a coordinator of our peer support team, it, we, just, we got it within the last 10 years, you know, after 9-11. So what would happen is after a major event, we would call people that we knew and say, can you, can you help out? There was no formal training. Yeah. Um, many of the members were members of AA, 
um, that, you know, they were comfortable speaking in groups uh, and they we knew them because we helped them get better. So we would say, can you do us a favor? And they'd say, absolutely. You helped uh, me and my family. So sure. And we would pull them in. And it, it I think it was um, it was accepted and appreciated, but people were still hands off. Um, you know, they, they were hands off in, in the sense that um, they wanted to take care of it on their own. And, you know, that's what we've been always taught to do. Yeah, I would say that. And we've talked about this before. So, like, when I came um, into my position as a coordinator of Local 2 ZAP, we had a, a list, you know, anonymous list, but it had names. And we had about 20 or 25. And it was those individuals that were in recovery that. You know, if somebody called and, and I talked with them, I could connect them with Joe, Bob, Mike or Sam or Mary that had not only traversed recovery, but maybe other things that went on in their life. You know, connection there. It's more formal now. Frank and I talk all the time in a sense of um, our department's no different than yours. We just have had innumerable numbers of individuals that have had various experiences because I come from a department with 8,000 active and retired. He's got 20,000. Whether or not it's 50, 100, 500, all the same things are happening. But do we have the people like us and the people that might be listening that will pick up the phone and be willing to to support them? Um, with that said, you know, we want to talk about positivity, right? So behavioral health, it, that shouldn't be a negative term. Uh, mental health should not be a negative term. Be like, oh, how are you feeling today? I think probably three people asked me today how I'm doing or how I'm feeling. Frank asked me once. I don't, I don't think he really meant it, but he just <laughs> that was his greeting. Um, he did beat me in golf yesterday, so I'll, I'll put that out there. You have so we've known each other for 23 or four years. Um, you've made an intentional effort to take care of yourself, right? I think many times for us, right, we just, we all, many people here that are even listening, just do pick up the phone, go, where, where are we going? We might come home at some point. Um, that took away from our family, but also took away from our health. And you've made an intentional effort in the last year. Uh, can you talk about that? Sure. Um, I, I so for 38 years, um, I was a servant to the New York City Fire Department, a willing servant to the New York City Fire Department. And also, you know, part of that is, you know, raising a family, um, you know, trying to be a husband, a father uh, and, and trying to balancing that. I, I, I realized that someplace like 15 on the list was me. Um, and. Um, and that was right up kind of to the day I retired. I mean, I was trying to do th things for myself, but when you, when you have so much responsibility, um, it's hard to put yourself on top. So I made a, ha have made a conscious effort with, with nutrition and exercise and uh, meditation and just trying to balance sleep, trying to balance that. I mean, I, I, it's better late than never, you know? So, you know, I know a lot of people have said, you know, I haven't taken care of myself. I'm 50 years old. I'm 60 years old. You know, I'm, I'm not going to start. It really is better late than never. And I, 
I feel so much better than I did five years ago. And that's usually not the case when you're getting older. Um, so I, I, I would really um, impress on people to give it a shot. You know, think about the, the next best thing you can do for yourself uh, as far as, you know, eating right and, and exercise uh, and, and all the other things. I mean, I, I talked about boundaries before and I also boundaries in your life. You know, when, you know, when is it your time uh, to, uh, you know, and when is it the families or, or the departments? Yeah, one of the things I think I shared with you guys is when I did research on stuff, uh, uh, losses on our job. One of the things that I also looked at is longevity after retirement, right? We, we couldn't wait to get on a job and some people get off and you want to do your own thing. But historically in, in, in the 90s for Chicago Fire, the average um, life expectancy in retirement was four years. Oh. I mean, four years. So retired 63, gone at 67. And maybe that sick, those four years weren't good. Um, and then in from 2000 to 2010, it increased, but it only increased up to seven years. That's not enough, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I always wondered, I said, wow, we have such great pensions, but the people that were making those decisions knew that we weren't going to live to, to, so they didn't, you know, to, to, to get them. So they didn't give us great increases while we work, but they said, Hey, we'll give it to you on the pension. My dad last, my dad retired at 58 and died at 62, oh, you mm. know? So it, he was relatively typical of, of that era. Um, you know, we have to break the trend and the way to break the trend is to, is to start taking care of yourself emotionally, which is going to lead to physically. If you're not well emotionally, it's really hard to take care of yourself physically. Yeah. It's, those two are t tied together. If, if you're, you got to do one or you can't do one or the other. You got to be doing both together. And they're going to, they're going to pull the other one along. You yeah. Know, that. And things that we don't talk about in the fire service. And we don't like to talk about in the fire service is substance abuse or alcoholism. Um, we clearly have a higher percentage of that than the general public. Um, obesity and, and, and being overweight. We don't like to talk about that, but it's something that we need to address. If you're not addressing those, those two issues, it's going to be a hard struggle. Uh, to have good quality of life. What else? What else? <laughs> well, you because you, you said to us that you're looking at retirement. I mean, you 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 achieved the position of battalion chief. Your family is in another state. Yeah. Then you work. Um, you took a different position, and now and I don't want to speak for you, but kind of put a strain on some things. So you're in a. Yeah, I'm in that gray area, I guess you could say, you know, just like transitioning to all of the stuff for, you know, getting ready for the future and in, in retirement. But um, again, so my thing is because battalion chief, father, grandfather, um, you have your own mentoring focus and, and company. You do things with brothers in battle. You do a number of different things. You're going to be surprised by this question, but how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm actually, I'm doing great now. Um, through, through this last few months, it's been, it's been a challenge, you know, but it's, it's been the thing that's kind of pushed me through to, to see kind of to see the other side and to see that, um, that I am prepared 
you're moving forward. And, and as you said, I, I've got all these other companies that I'll be teaching with my, my biggest, I think my biggest thing is not the identity of being a firefighter, but my biggest thing is, is the, is the brother sisterhood and not being in the station and, uh, and, and maybe not, you know, being at the call and having that, you know, being able to help out. I mean, it, it, as cliche as it is, I enjoy helping. And, uh, and so losing those things and trying to just adjust my, my future so that, okay, well, I'm still going to get some brother and sisterhood teaching and out on the road and doing those things. I might not be putting on a uniform and it might not be going on the big call or whatever again. And, uh, and those, you know, I, I think I'll, I'll do fine, you know, working through that because if you don't have a purpose, then you're really going to struggle moving into that next chapter of your life. And I think the purpose is just to be a part of the education process and, and continue sharing what experiences I've had over my 30 some year career. And, um, and, and, and then in that I would be able to, you know, have some of that brother sisterhood along with it. So. Something I was thinking about is, um, we also have to think about our families now, all of a sudden, who's this guy? Yeah. You're like, like, where, where have you been for the last 38 years? And now you're, you're, you know, we're kind of invading our, our, our significant, significant other space. Right. They've had this space or if you retire young, you have, you know, you're, you're rearing children. Um, and all of a sudden here comes the retiree, you know, putting his or her two cents in. So I think that that is something that you also have to uh, negotiate with your family. And I, I think you have to come in, you know, kind of kind of come in quietly, not just drop it. Yeah, drop it. <laughs> Did you actually I mean, because you've been married for. Yeah, 34 years with Chris. And because I had a conversation with my wife about that, because I remember back when I had a daily day and I remember telling my wife, I said, hey, what do you want to do on Wednesday? And she kind of did one of these. What? And I'm like, I'm on daily. She's like, it wasn't like, oh, yeah. It was like, oh. (laughs) You're you're ruining my my routine. I think my wife liked the remote a couple of nights a week. Like, you know, like she, you know, she liked her space yeah. um and that that was that was a change uh and you know we we have a good relationship but you know i think part of the relationship is good because we gave each other space now all of a sudden we're in each other's space so i i think that's something that it's it's a discussion it's just you can't just do it yeah. did you have that yeah absolutely yeah. have that discussion because one of the reasons is is when we looked at the stats both for fdny and chicago over a 15-year period, it, it was almost identical. Um, the behavioral health issues, why people came in um, to our, our programs. And the number one being relationships yeah. at home and then at work. And obviously, there's other things that play you into that. You think about, you know, it's going to be PTSD. You think it's going to be a substance abuse, um, depression. Number one reported issue is relationships, either with their spouse or their children or their parents that's that's why they're coming to seek counsel. Yeah. I, I know my wife's listening because I was texting her before we were going on. So I know she's listening to this next to the pool. I don't know. She, uh, honey, are you next to the pool? I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, we had it's kind of funny. We had this conversation when our son went off to college because you've got this. We only have one child, but you, you've got this focus and the focus is the kid. Right. And then, well, 
what what's going to happen now when he's gone? Do we really have this relationship or was it dependent on, on a kid? And so that was our first hurdle. And then, um, again, going back to, I spent, I got to spend a, a month at home and we saw each other every single day and, you know, we travel and we do, we do things. So, I mean, I have had, I've had long periods of time off where my wife and I have been traveling or something. It's not like that. We were at home for a month, you know, and, uh, and it was great. It was great. And the big thing for me is, is being able to see, we have a seven-year-old granddaughter and, and a two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter. And, and part of the reason why we moved to Vegas is to be close to the grandkids so we could see them on a regular basis. So being home, being able to sleep in your own bed, you know, having kind of a relaxing day, um, hanging out uh, with my, my wife, going and seeing the grandkids, you know, like... It was it was it was a lot of fun. And afterwards, you know, Jody and I had talked and it's like, yeah, I think I think we can pull this off. I think I think we'll be good. You know, yeah. we'll be good. I was ta- I would taunt my wife right before I retired. I would say in a month, honey, I'm going to be home every <laughs> single day. I'm going to be right next to you every single day. And she'd be like, oh, my God. But we've been able to manage it. Hey, listen, uh, it's not it hasn't been completely smooth. Um, you know, I have to back off. and uh, But I, I would say it's it's better than I expect. Part of the reason why you got to golf. It's like, right. honey, I'm going to get out. I'm going to get out and go to well, the and office. they golf together. Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do they? That's, a, that's something that is. Yeah, new... we golf poorly together. So, uh yeah, he doesn't give her any strokes though. So, uh, but you mentioned so you mentioned focus, and what I think about in our fire service career, right? We have a tendency to focus on the things that just went bad. And when I hear a lot of people say, "Well, let's go back to the basics," well, every day everybody should be focusing on the basics, and then move on, and also look forward to what do we need to look at so we don't have a near miss or an event from a behavioral health standpoint, I was keeping statistics just like you, right? And we, and, and then you'd see trends and things that would come up. And I could tell you that from a focus standpoint, again, from like retirement, I didn't think about it until the last two years, not even on a radar um, until my buddy that was the captain at the house that I ran out of uh, was retiring and I was asking him questions. And in the last year I was doing it and everybody asked, was asking me questions. I'm, and like I said, I still don't know, but I know this. I know what I have to prepare for and plan. And I've had those conversations with my wife is, hey, how how is it going to be with me being in your space now for um, every day unless I'm away? Because before I didn't even think about it. I was just home. Right now I'm understanding that. She had a routine for 30 plus years and expected me not to be there. And, and, and that really, I mean, let that soak in for a second, right? She really said, for the most part, I don't expect you to be there because you have two jobs and you have a business. And that kind of sunk into my heart of like, well, don't you count on me? She's like, yeah, but for the most part, I can't because right. you're doing X, Y, and Z, which a lot of individuals do. And then I wonder why the conversations at home were brief. And I've had to be, I have, I've had to focus on that and have that clear communication with her and really become friends again. 
I, I, honestly, um, it's like a new relationship, right? I would assume coming into retirement, you had a relationship kind of going back to when you have kids, your relationship be the focus is kids. Yeah. Your relationship is a certain way. And then when there's no longer kids in the house, now you have a, you're at work or whatever it is, that's your new relationship. And then there's, well, there's retirement and your retirement relationship where you're both are going to be at home. So yeah, I could, I could definitely see how that is going to be um, something we're going to, you know, have to work through. I mean, one month here is not, is, is definitely a, a taste, but it's not like, what's it going to look like 10 years from now? Because I hope I get to pull off a good 25 years after retirement or more. Yeah. I mean, advice that I would give to people that <clears throat> are not thinking of retirement right away is to really try to get more involved now. Um, and it's hard because there, there are so many obligations in the fire service. Uh, it's not only the work, it's, you know, supporting our members when they're not, when, when we're not working, the social functions, the, you know, uh, the wakes, the funerals of family members. So, you know, try to get involved now. You know, what I would say is that there's a reason there's an academy, right? Three months, six months or whatever uh, to prepare, not to all of a sudden throw people into the fire and expect them to perform well. How should that be any different from a behavioral health and relationship standpoint with even though that we love them, do they do we like each other and can we be in a space? What else would you like to uh, share with the. Oh, there, there really is the so much. I mean, and, and I, 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 I want to keep on the positive, um, you know, about our class, about fire service, about our class today. Yeah. So we have a, we have a four hour class, four, hour four class. hours with this guy. <laughs> yeah. So it was four hours in a golf cart with him yesterday and four hours in a class. Talk today. about, talk about I'm needing a marriage counselor now, right? Anybody? See, Frank, I'm the smart one. I, I stayed away from it. That's why I'm not, you know, I look a little bit different than you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm you not do. stuck in your you, class. You do, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. They well, actually tell him he's, he's, he's uh, teaching, but he's act I'm actually a four-hour therapist. For, <laughs> for, for, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think we're, like I said before, we're, we're moving forward with behavioral health. Our, our ancestors in the fire service, uh, they, they've evolved uh, peer support. It, it was 200 years ago, yeah. there was peer support in the fire service. We've just given it a name now. We've yeah. made it a little bit more formal. But we've been taking care of each other. And we've been taking care of each other's families uh, for and, generations. And doing it well. And, and doing it really well. Um, you know, that's why, you know, people really love this job. You know, what is it? How is it possible? You, you, have, you work ungodly hours. Um, you're always dirty. You see the most horrific things, you know, like people that are off that don't do this work. Like, how is that? Okay. It's not just okay. It's great for most of us. Um, and I, and I think the, the reason is that kitchen table, you know, what the healing that goes on there, um, you know, that, that has, I know that carried me through. Um, you know, I always tell this story and I, I, it's, it's a really important story to me. Um, I was a young firefighter, 24 years old in a busy firehouse in, in Brooklyn. And we had a horrific fire. Um, and I had never experienced anything like it. We had, uh, we had eight losses and seven of them were kids that were under, under 10 years old. And I'd never seen anything like it. And, um, 
we got back to the station. And the guys were like, nothing happened. And I, I, I was in this fog. And we were preparing the meal. And I was cutting the onions um, to, um, to make the meal. And I, and, and I, like, I, just, I was just like dizzy almost from, from pain. And uh, Tommy Laudacina put his arm around me. He's, we called him Mad Dog. Um, and he said, hey, Frank, you start that fire? I'm like, no, Tommy, I didn't start the fire. What are you talking about? He goes, do the best you could. I said, I did the best I could. Then cut the effing onions. <laughs> and I, I, like, I, I was like dizzy from, from what he was saying. But then like, I realized that he saw that I was not well. And that was his peer support. Like he yeah. came over and he, he said, it's okay. And, you know, on some level, this is what this job's about. And we're here for you. And, you know, he probably remembered the first time he experienced something like that. And back then it was not okay to show emotion. You know, it was not okay to cry. I mean, I felt like it, but my, how was I raised? You know, especially as a, as a young man in an Italian family, um, when I would tear up, my father would say, you want something to cry about? I'll give you something to cry about. So what, what did you learn? You learned that showing emotions was not okay. Um, and, um, you know, what does that come out? In? It comes out in anger. It comes out in other, other things. So, you know, what, what we can teach our, our own kids, um, you know, little boys and little girls, um, and what we can teach our firefighters um, is um, that it's okay. It's okay to show emotion. It's, it's healthy to show emotion. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, that's one of the changes that we see in the fire service. It's, you know, you know, hugging each other, crying um, when something is horrific, not just going, you know, getting off shift and, and getting drunk yeah. and, and drowning, drowning that pain. Um, you know, that that's that's alcohol works until it doesn't, um, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, we've seen that with many of our coworkers that. It's, it's hard to manage those thoughts. It's hard to ma manage those visions uh, that we see on a regular basis. Well, anytime you're going to do something, alcohol, drugs, or whatever it is, all it's doing is just suppressing it. You know, it, it's still there. Those the emotions, the experience, all of that stuff is still there. And if, and if you don't address it through talking, right. you know, talking it out or seeking some type of counseling or something, you're not doing it that way those will always be there and so it is a dead end road definitely right. yeah and definitely. and sometimes you you do that for 30 years 40 years until your body can't take the alcohol anymore or the drugs or whatever you're using and you know then you you get ill um but you know there there is a place i mean having a beer with a coworker or a cup of coffee with a coworker so you can have a chat it, it, i think is healthy mm -hmm. um a healthy part of that but you know having having the opportunity to talk about what we experience. And that's what I look forward to now, Rob, is, you know, like once a month I get together with coworkers. We either have breakfast or dinner and, you know, we'll chat about family or whatever, but within a couple of minutes, we are talking about some of the things that we did good and bad. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I need to continue to do that because there's no one that knows um, that, besides people that I had that similar experience with. So I, I, 
as part of retirement, we didn't mention is, you know, don't forget about those amazing relationships. Um, the relationships that carried, I know carried me through, um, that kept me upright and I kept them upright. You know, when I was, when I was slouching down, they picked me up and, you know, when they were slouching down, I picked them up. So I, I, I won't forget that and try to continue those relationships. It may be hard from, from Vegas, uh, to, to, uh, to Washington, uh, but it, technology is unbelievable. A phone call away. We, all, of, we both want to be you. Yeah. Speaking of phone calls, well, you know, obviously I didn't get the phone call. That's, I mean, that's what we're, I didn't get the phone call. Both of us are retired, my friend. You are <laughs> uh, incident commander, battalion chief. You do, your phone does have outgoing phone calls? Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Then yeah, thank right. you. Well, all let's, right. get, let's go back to your class because I don't know if we, what is the class that, that you two are doing? Or? So Frank's the man. Uh, Frank's the man. We're, we're doing it at one thirty today. It's called Thriving in the Fire Service. And again, from the focus standpoint, Frank and I, we could talk about 100,000 different incidences that are sad. Uh, we will talk about certain things that, that the fire service needs to focus on. But from a variety, uh, from our perspective, it's really many of us do thrive. And he, he, he mentioned something that I've said to people that I counsel. Um, and I said, you know, alcohol works until it doesn't. Uh, exercise works till it doesn't. Um, uh, pain medication works till it doesn't. And then what, what happens there? So we're going to have that conversation uh, today uh, in room 238, 239 at 1.30 to 4.30 to really build on the strengths that people have, talk about that and, and, and really have that conversation, right? Where, where's the no. venue to have that conversation? Yeah, and we're, we're, we're moving away from, you know, behavioral health and mental health and physical health having their own silos. Yeah. It's all it's all intertwined. Um, and in mental health, we always think of it, always think of this negative connotation. But we you know, we're all you know, we're we're all always not well. Um, so I, I think it's important to talk about depression. You know, like it, it, we, we may experience in, in our life. So let's have that conversation. Um, you know, I, I, I always think about, you know, a firefighter that walks into a doctor's office and is given a low dosage of an antidepressant because he or she needs it. And they walk out of the doctor's office and they're not even sure if they are allowed to take it. You know, they're not they don't know and they don't know who to ask. So let's have those conversations. Um, let's have the, the conversations that are important um, in, in, in the fire service and not always sweep those things under the well, rug. Well, just look at, okay, 35,000 fire departments across the country, right? That's 35,000 fire chiefs, assistant chiefs, deputy chiefs. Have they been educated and trained on to what to look out for to manage a healthy workforce? Some of them have, but I'm going to guess that the majority haven't. We spent most of our lives both being firefighters and behavioral health focused, right? And we still made mistakes. So our goal really is to provide that information for people that as incident commanders, you need to know hazmat and water rescue and high angle rescue and low rise and high rise. And I could go on, right? But what about behavioral health? If we're telling you that the number one issue in New York and Chicago, the reason we got called was because of relationships, both at home and work, where is that understanding and training? 
that should be begin from the beginning until and through retirement so you can have better quality of life. Yeah, I, I recently did a training in a place that I won't mention. Um, and the it was a number of different departments represented there, but the chief of one department um, would not give uh, his members the time off to go to go to this behavioral health training, um, which is go was going to benefit this department because it they were trying to start a peer program. And I, I was thinking to myself, I wonder if they had a two day training about the continuing or improving the life of the apparatus that would, would increase the apparatus five years where you didn't have to buy a new apparatus, uh, would, would he had sent the, this man and woman to this training? And my guess is yes. Now, now with talking about equipment and we're talking about human beings and, and the, the, the soul of your department, you know, that's what we have to think about. We, they're, they're not equipment. They're in, that that's how the department runs. So if we're not thinking about their health, physical, mental, um, medical, uh, that should be our number one priority. Yeah. If, if it, it, that's a leadership issue where you're talking about finances, you know, mm -hmm. can I save money by investing a little bit? Do I save more money when we're talking about people? You're, you're not thinking the money side of it. I know that there is an element of it, but you shouldn't be thinking the money side of it. It should be, is this going to make my people better? Uh, that's, that's a whole leadership issue. And, and you think about the, why people take off in the fire service, like why the people, you know, go on medical leave or have, you know, call in sick. Many of those issues are mental health issues. Um, you know, it, it, they having family problems or they're, you know, have diabetes because of their um, nutrition issues. So the, if you can address mental health issues and behavioral health issues, I think it's, and there's, there is data out there. It's going to improve your bot, bottom line. Uh, you just have to be confident that that's, that's going to be the case. Frank, I want to, uh, on behalf of us, you know, FDIC, uh, behavioral health, the fire service, thank you for taking out your time. Um, our time has come to an end. Yes, it's coming I to want to end. find out why your mic uh, makes your voice sound better yeah, than mine. Uh, he's got that radio. He does have a radio voice. Have in that. that radio voice. What is going on here? <laughs> I, I think we got to talk. to Well, somebody. I talked to the staff and I said, <laughs> I make want, sure to give you guys these I, crappy mics and give me why a professional he sat mic. Down first, right? And why is yours so high? No, I'm sitting. No, I am this. I am this floor. tall. I am this tall. All right. That's enough. That's enough. I, I would just say if you've never been to FDIC, we are we are live at FDIC. And if you've never been here for the show, it's an incredible show. Um, yeah. I can't even tell you the number of times I've been here. I, I wasn't here last year, uh, last spring. And that was the first one I've missed in years. But coming to FDIC is awesome. The amount of of people that are here, firefighters uh, is incredible. Biggest, biggest show for firefighters, I think, in the world. And so you get the opportunity to come. You got to come down one of these years and yeah. check it out. And yeah. you get to see these these good looking guys, yeah, we'll see. senior citizens. <laughs> we'll see how long we'll last. Um, <laughs> but with that said, again, for um, uh, for fire engineering, thanks for letting us do this show. Frank, thanks for being yeah, here. It's, it's Rob. A, my, absolutely my pleasure. And it's great to be with you, Rob and Dan. And, and again, to give kudos to um, Bobby Halton for allowing us to do this. 
David Rhodes as well, obviously the um, the new editor in chief, and um, we'll come back if we're invited. Thanks all. Thank, Thank you, you very Ray. much. Bye.